Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with another edition of the State of the FS Union. And who better than one of the young guns out there, Mr. Hunter Steele of Seminole Productions, also the Seminole Executive Brief, and also just Hunter Steele out on Twitter, but all that more talk about his time at Florida State, the end of the Taggart era while he was there, seeing the resurgence with Mark Norvell, and how he feels heading into 2023 on today's, on today's show. Let's go, guys. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here. Sorry I'm not on the official, you know, command center in my crib, because right now, you know, I got a, lot, got a lot of work to get done. But today in the stream yard, I am joined by Mr. Hunter Steele, a.k.a. the younger Steele brother from uh, me and Max's days over a fight out. What's up, Pat? I know you're going to be watching this later. Hunter, how's it going? It's going good, man. Uh, I'm just, just hanging here in Tallahassee, getting ready for uh, the day. Got some classes later, but... It's going good, man. We we got a good football product, so um, I'm happy to be a Florida State student. I know, and we're also lucky to have you actually right now recording actually from the middle of dope, what appears to be like I think late at night. That's like, yeah. I'm really glad to actually have you on location there. But seriously, thank you so much for coming on, man. And folks, thank you each and every single one of you for making Locked On Seminoles for listening each and every single day, and also for making us hit our 2,000 subscriber mark. So you know what that means now. It's on the, the march for 3K. But Hunter. You've been a student. I think you're telling me that you are graduating this upcoming spring. So then the question I think I have for you is I have to ask about basically your first two years there. Or maybe I think your first year, because I think you said you, that the first game you went to as a student was the Boise State game. What basically I think what was the kind of the mood across campus for that first, you know, kind of that final year under Taggart and then seeing how everything was kind of changing since you've seen the turnover to head coach Mike Norvell currently? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the students were kind of over it at that point. I think, um, I mean, going into that year, I shouldn't say we were completely over it, but if you didn't, if you weren't completely over after that Boise game, then you 100% were. It, like we were talking about, it was probably 120 degrees. At least it felt like it. We were crushing them at the end of the first half. And, you know, I think a lot of kids left, you know, because it was like, you know, stadium emptied out. They're like, we got this in the bag. It's Boise State. We should handle this. Next thing you know, we blow the lead and everyone's just pissed off. So, yeah, it, it it was a brutal year and you know it got to a point where we had to sell ourselves on Alex Hornibrook and we had to watch him just get absolutely eviscerated against Miami and I think you know that was the straw that broke the camel's back you can't just let Miami come into Doak and just you know run you a new one so it was a tough first year man I won't lie you know it's, there wasn't a ton of optimism you know we we played UL Monroe and barely beat them because they missed an extra point there was just there was too much to count it was an ugly first year so it's it's exciting to see where we are now so then what was, I guess, like, because when Max and I were there, we were there from 2011 to 2015, because, you know, obviously we love extra football, extra time there. Uh, it's a fun time. Miss it every single day as I am now an adult. But anyways, <laughs> with that, we saw, you know, national championship, a multiple ICC championship, multiple New Year's Six appearances. And the last one we went to actually was the uh, Peach Bowl, I think, against Houston. So like, kind of what was, like, the feeling amongst, I guess, the students? Because that's something that actually is not actively talked about. And then also, how are you seeing it kind of different? Because right now, I think I went to FSU. Last time I went to FSU for a game was the spring game uh, before last season. And then that, the, you can see, like, it felt like it was picking up again. Is that kind of what you've been kind of seeing, I guess, for the past few years? 
Yeah, hundred percent. I actually I texted Max about this um, it, when it was Parents Weekend when we played Boston College this year. I it was overwhelming. I legitimately didn't know how to handle it. We were walking around College Town and it was just body to body. The Dope Campbell, you you couldn't get around. You know, you couldn't get any service anywhere in the stadium. I didn't know how to handle it, and it was honestly just you know shocking because it was something we hadn't you know experienced as students at Florida State. We hadn't had a winning product on the field, so to finally have that, to finally see. Tallahassee booming the way it should be the local businesses going off and just everyone just happy to be back in town it was it was awesome man it was like I said I texted Max and I was like dude I I legitimately can't fathom what 2013 would be like when when we were just crushing teams and this place was packed every weekend I mean dude I mean 2012 it's like we felt like we finally actually finally had something I forgot which game we're like just finally clicked I think it was the Miami game I was with Max at the game and it was like we just looked just supremely better than else in 2013 2013, we were beating everybody, but it also we felt like there was just going to be that one game where we just slipped up, and it finally happened, obviously, um, against Oregon. So then your first year, you know, we have, you know, Tiger the Buckle, he gets fired. Uh, you bring Mike Novell in for, I think, what, a December, I think, second or third. I think actually my fi- I was in the middle of my law school finals. Uh, how did you feel about the hire currently? I mean, actually, sorry, currently, at the time, because that – I feel like it divided a lot of people because he was super successful actually over at Memphis, and then we all heard about this, you know, this wait and see kind of, you know, wait till he gets his guys in, maintains the culture, which we're seeing now is very evident to be true. But how did you feel at the time of that? It was kind of like a wait and see moment. I, um, you know, I, you see the success he had at Memphis and you watch his Memphis teams and you're like, this is a, a supremely well-coached team. You know, they're, they have a great run game. These guys play hard. They're good on special teams. They're, the pieces were there for me to think Mike Norvell would be a good coach, but I had to see it first at FSU because, what he was coming into was just an absolutely massive overhaul and he's done a great job of it so far. I mean, you know, that, that first week, I think on the job, I think he fired everyone up, but you know, he, I think he's done everything you could ask out of him at this point you know, there was a couple, couple hiccups in the road here and there, but I mean, it was just tough first year coming in with COVID, but I, I thought he handled it well. No, but see, I think he actually has. So then let's fast forward. I mean, 2020, we call everyone calls a year zero. It happened. I mean, unfortunately it did. 2021, you see the building bus kind of starting to form up. So heading into 2022, you saw that we only had eight wins in the first two seasons. What were your year before season started? What were your expectations heading into the year? Because a lot of people, like myself, I had I had a uh, you know can win eight, should win seven, will win six kind of mentality. Because I still was like I need to see this team prove it to me. And then Dave was similar to that. I think Max as well was around the seven to eight with Mark. Where were where was Hunter Steele on basis the night before the uh, the night before Duquesne? How did you feel about the season? Uh, from Seminoles. Yeah, I mean, I I felt optimistic, better than I did going into last season. I we talked about this. I talked about this with Max too. It wasn't Mackenzie Milton versus Jordan Travis, and that was really, really what made me feel better about it. Because going in, you remember going into last season when everyone was debating if Jordan, you know, if Jordan was really a quarterback, and Mackenzie Milton had an awesome spring game. So we had some QB controversy, and coming into this year and what Jordan had built off the back half of last year. I felt really optimistic about what we were, what product we were going to get. Granted, I'm, I'm not saying I thought we were going to win 10 games. I think eight was kind of the ceiling that I th- I saw. I didn't think we, were, we would beat Miami, just, you know, Miami completely. All the wheels fell off down there. Florida was also a toss-up with, with how, you know, we coached against them last year and kind of how it went. So eight wins was kind of my expectation. I wasn't expecting a 10-win season, but 100%, I, you know, I felt optimistic about it, definitely. But how about you? I mean, me, like, I had the eight. I think it was eight. I think the team was talented enough overall. I think Mike Norvell, as much as, you know, I was kind of worried about his high school recruiting, which 
I still kind of am, but it's kind of subsiding a little bit to the point because now we see him landing top-tier talents like a Lucas Simmons on, on the offensive line and Hakeem Williams as a wide receiver. But the transport, the man understands what he's trying to go after, right? And then he also is able to be so good at the transport, he's able to take a risk on a player that, you know, might not be the same after an injury like a Trey Benson, which panned out, or like a Mackenzie Milner, you know, which didn't pan out, but, you know, he could have actually probably, from what I've been hearing, he has a very good locker room presence, able to actually be able to have people. So then you see moving forward also, I mean, Jermaine Johnson, I think, is another example as well. So then the year actually does happen. We have the nine win- We have the nine wins in the regular season. There's, you know, points where basically, the, I think we had the, what, the four-game win streak where we, we beat up Duquesne, LSU, Louisville, and then just absolutely just dominated um, Boston College Parents Weekend. And then you have that three-game skid against the Wake Forest that you were favored by eight points. Then you have the N-State game, which that second half is, I think, basically that's, that's, that still haunts, I think, a lot of FSU fans. And the Clemson game where the middle eight is now the most infamous word right now, but it's not sustainable right now on Twitter. But then you finish off with six wins. I mean, to end the cap, sorry, uh, yeah, six wins to cap season off with a bowl game against Oklahoma. So how, what did you feel, I guess, what was the key moment for this FSU Florida State football team to kind of basically, you know, pick themselves up after those three games and be like, hey, actually, we're better than this? Yeah, I think it kind of started at the end of that that last third game, that Clemson game. And we came out and, you know, we battled them hard. And frankly, it was probably Clemson's best game that they played all season. But to see us not quit, to see Jordan Travis just absolutely keep the team going and you know, I think we only ended up losing by what was it like eight points or seven points or something like that. Even though I think it was only a one score game, I think it was what thirty four to twenty eight. Yeah, and it, it didn't it didn't feel that close, frankly, in the beginning of the game. But to see those guys not quit, that's something we haven't seen out of a four state team in in years. So to see that, especially against Clemson, the crowd stayed. I think that was kind of like the turning point where it was like we're we're not going to let this three game losing streak. You know, we're not going to roll over and die because of this. We know what we got next week. Let's get more. Let's get healthier and let's come back and. I kind of thought that that was like a good point to see this just not roll over and die like we kind of have against Clemson in the past few years. So then now we're going to talk about basically what improvements you kind of, you know, we should see from the team, whether which it's kind of difficult to ask that question because I think the offense, what really is, I guess we'll start with that side of the ball. What really is there to improve on that side of the ball? Because the offense, quite frankly, is scoring 35 plus points per game. They're limiting turnovers. Jordan took not a, not a massive step, but I think a massive leap when it comes to becoming a pocket passer as well. So it's just to me, it's what do you think you should see, you, we need to see improve for next season? Or simply is it just something simple as consistency for consistency's sake? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to nitpick kind of the offense at this rate when they're such a successful group and, you know, they're they're ripping off six yards of carry. You got two running backs that are leading the ACC in yards per carry and sad Treshawn's not with us anymore. But I guess you're just kind of nitpicking at this point. And it's like you said, it's I think it's just a consistency. You'd like to see you know, not not the Jordan fumble against Wake or that pick against NC State, just probably being more protective with the ball and just really valuing each possession. And I, I would say that's really it because this offense is, you know, it's one of the best in the country. And if, if you argue otherwise, I think you're crazy. Yeah, it is one of the best in the country with one of the best quarterbacks in the country, Jordan Travis. So I kind of want to make, what was your kind of standing with him? Because it felt like either that you felt Jordan, you know, how was had this, this high ceiling of untapped potential or, not even that, that he actually showcased in the samples when he's actually fully healthy, that he's a very not only great quarterback, but also a very efficient quarterback. If you look, I know Max had a few episodes on the samples, like they're kind of breaking this down further through the numbers. So where were you with that? And also, did you expect to see kind of this sort of, not transformation, but kind of like this, like, here I am kind of like season from Jordan Travis? I can't say I saw it to this degree. I mean, 
looking at the back half of last season and how it went, I thought he played really, really well. And it wasn't just the fact that he was getting more comfortable. It was the fact that Norvell was really scheming up some plays for him. I don't know if the people remember the North Carolina play, the rollout he had to the right, and he threw it to Pokey across the other side of the field. There was just plays. You're starting to see the playbook open up, and he felt more comfortable. And you were starting to see, you're like, okay, Jordan Travis could be a really, really good college quarterback if they scheme around him. Hitting on Trey Benson was just a, a massive plus. So to have good running backs and an improved O-line, I think that truly, truly helped Jordan Travis this year. Yes, I think that was I think that's the kind of like the heart of the heart of the answer is that he actually finally had weapons around him basically because one of the issues that we talked about uh, ad nauseum last season heading into 2021 was will these wide receivers get separation? Will they actually make plays, actually be able to assist whoever's throwing the ball? And then you have the question marks over Jason Corbin, like is he fully healthy back from the hamstring? And who was his Trayshawn Ward, who we now kind of saw is one of the, in my personal opinion, he had the best vision and the best patience of all the backs. If he was just a little bit faster, I think he probably actually would still probably honestly be on the team or he actually probably would have, you know, got a lot more cash when it comes to anything else. But to me, I mean, I think you're right about the weapons around Jordan definitely helped assist him uh, strongly. And then defensively, that's the one where <clears throat> you saw the defense improve and they've improved every single year. I think they were 106 in 2020. I think they were upper 40s uh, 2021. And I think they finished 34th this past year. Per, on all the user per, per the advanced metrics opponent adjusted. So with this defense, and it could, to me, it feels like a bend, don't break kind of defense, except it feels like they're continuously bending, 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 bending into the red zone. So either they break for a touchdown or they break as in a field goal. So then what do you need to see from this defense for next season? Because it feels like to me, the offense is fine. The offense is good. We know what we're going to get with Mark Valentine and Jordan in the center. What does the defense need to do to kind of like, you know, not, not even go close to that, but also to be able to supplement the offense as a whole? I think they just need to just key in on the small things because I, I I don't think that this defense is poorly coached and on, despite what many Florida State fans may think of Adam Fuller. I think he has guys in the right position. I think that there's just little things here and there. There's missed tackles. There's drop balls. There's just there, – it's the little things that I think is going to separate this defense. And, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of talent coming in on the D-line especially. I think Fentral Cypress is going to be an awesome guy to watch just because – you know, we haven't really seen like a lockdown corner within the past couple of years. I mean, we've gotten some good corner play, but he's a guy that I think can really transform this defense. And overall, I'm just I'm excited to see where this goes. I, I think the the personnel they're bringing in will 100 percent help. And I, I think that this defense will be improved. Like you said, they've gotten better every year, and I, I expect them to make another jump this year with who they're bringing in. Yeah, I'm probably one of the more notable and loudest uh, Adam Fuller haters out there. If you ever check my Twitter, check any episode of the past two and a half seasons since he's been here. But like, the one thing, I mean, you, you are right about that, where it's they've improved every single year. And then as much as it's just I think I think where my mindset was coming from, like when I was at FSU, we had like a Jeremy Pruitt. And even Charles Kelly like was able to maximize the talent that they had around him. So maybe it's just maybe I think this season we'll see. The talent is there. You like you're saying, bringing in Fentrell Cypress, who was the number one AC defensive back and a top five defensive back in the country. You're bringing in Braden Fisk from Western Michigan, Daryl Jackson from Miami. Like this team, not only feels like it's super talented up top, but even the second teamers in depth wise, which is what killed us a lot last year when Fabian Lovett was out or Jared Versus was out, and now both of them come back for this season. That feels like talent wise, this might be the best kind of tools and players that Adam Fuller will have at disposal since he's been here, all since he's been since he's been at Memphis. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that that D line depth is going to pay dividends when it comes to next season. Cause you saw in that bowl game, I mean, Oklahoma was missing four out of their five starting offensive linemen from the whole year. And Dude, their entire D-line. team was out. 
it was they had like what 10 or 11 opt outs. They had like yeah. they had like three freshmen playing. I'm like, I'm like, we should baptize these kids. Yeah, 100 percent And our D line was, you know, they were getting pushed in that game. There was, you know, they weren't they didn't look the best, but it's like you said, we didn't have the depth. When you're missing Fabian Lovett and we missed verse a good amount throughout the year. It, think didn't Briggs sit out we were just missing you know a good amount of guys we have that depth now like we have a legit you know three deep defensive defensive line room which is pretty crazy to think about I mean it is insane so then now I'm not going to ask you recruiting we don't do we don't do a lot of recruiting on here typically that's like like I don't know like I don't know enough about recruiting to go into that unless I'm like talking to a friend of mine or people that you know I know that know a little more about me and typically I bring we bring people on but mm-hmm. so then for now over the offseason and then heading into 2023, what are your expectations for this team heading into next year? Because it's the schedule so far. We'll get, I mean, we get the official schedule, I want to say, on the 30th, so a little over a week from now. What are your expectations heading for the year? Because the schedule looks kind of light aside from LSU and then playing actually over. Uh, actually, the Clemson game, I, I want to say, that is actually it's, it's a way, isn't it? The Clemson game? Yeah, yeah, at Clemson. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I got pretty high expectations i i said it to my friend the other day and he looked at me kind of like i was crazy but i think this team's a playoff team in, in 2023 i i really do i think clemson is going to take a, a pretty big step back i i still think that they will be good but their offense is weak man and i think Cade clubnick can end up being good they just do not have the personnel right now to be as good as they want to be their defense is losing a ton so i i really think that this four state team is going to win the acc we were talking about the other day. I think 10 wins is kind of what you should expect to be the, the bare minimum for this team. Because like you said, the schedule sets up nicely. You get a couple nice FCS teams at home. You, you get LSU in Orlando, which is, you know, neutral site, but you know, it's closer to you. So that LSU game will hundred percent, hundred percent be tough, but yeah, man, I think 10 wins is kind of the bare minimum. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this too. I mean, listen, it's, uh, we did an exercise. Uh, folks, if you want to listen, I think we did it on Tuesday where we actually broke down the entire schedule. And it was something that right now we ex- I expect kind of 11 wins personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think 10 wins is probably the absolute minimum because the schedule, the ACC isn't that great, guys. It's mm-hmm. not that strong of a conference. And now because the division's gone, you don't have to play NC State anymore every single year. And you're, I think you also you played Virginia Tech, bad team. Pitt, bad. There's a very mid-mediocre team. Mm-hmm. Duke might be one of those games where you kind of are shocked a little because Duke is actually a very well-coached team. And he's maybe not there. Very sneaky, but... It's whatever. As long as Josh Gaddis and Kevin Steele are the other coordinators at Miami, I don't trust them to be any good. It won't be the same thing as last year. I think last year is going to be an anomaly like the 52-10 that we saw uh, two years ago. But that also – and then Florida, which I don't know what the hell is going on over there. I think they have a lot more of their own personal problems, you know, hanging out over there. But mm-hmm. to me, this is a schedule that kind of breaks well for you to actually – at the very at the bare minimum, you need to make an AC championship. And that's kind of where I want to go with, with you. What would happen? How would you feel? I guess basically, your how would your opinion? And I, this is being basically being not devil's advocate, but kind of like you know the, I guess doomsday scenario, playing a little bit with this because your your visions are saying that you ha- you expect ten wins for next season. If you if we end up like if Florida ends up with, you know, hitting only the eight win mark or even the nine win mark, do you how would you feel? I guess for the team and for Mike Norvell's tenure moving forward, because remember we're losing about probably next season in first twenty twenty four. 14 guys, probably 14 to 14 guys, whether it be eligibility or somebody heading over to the draft. So how would you feel if we were like an eight or nine win team for 2023? To say I'd be extremely disappointed would be a huge understatement because like you said, 2024, we're losing a lot. And I think Clemson 2024 will be Clemson's year to get back. They're going to, like I said, they're going to be really young this year. I don't think they will be very good, but 
yeah, we're losing a ton. This is the year. I mean, you got Jordan Travis coming back. You got Jared Verse. Jared Verse decided to come back, which is, you know, he he wants, you know, he wants the ACC championship. He wants a playoff appearance. Eight wins with this roster, I think, would just be very, very embarrassing. And I, 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 I love Mike Norvell, and I don't think that eight wins is a possibility for him. But if it did happen, I that would be very disappointing. And I think that, um, you know, we would maybe be exploring our other options. No, I completely agree. And I'm not, and I'm not saying it's five. I, I personally think there's like a five to ten percent chance of that happening. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where it's like we have so with such high expectations, we kind of have to also ask the question like, what happens if we don't meet those? But yeah. even though I think over the full sample size that we saw this past year, kind of like. Mike Norvell gets his first bowl when we saw finally actually how the team offensively was able to make a lot more adjustments. Even Allen Fuller was better with like kind of kind of having better first half adjustments, you know, towards the back half of the year. So mm-hmm. to me, I think one of the things that was an issue, I think probably a lot of fans, was that this coaching staff was learning on the job because a lot of them had not been the power five level yet. Alex, this was Alex Atkins' first year as an OC. This is Mike Norvell's first power five job. Same thing with Adam Fuller. Same thing with almost everybody on staff except for maybe Odell Hagens. And um, John Pujas, who was the defensive coordinator in Nebraska, when the Sue was there. So I think that basically we're seeing them learn and grow. And each year they've incrementally increased in how much better they've been. And also the coaching is better. Also the player and every a player buy-in and see is very, very strong. Not like evidenced by the when Jazz and Turner team went down with that with that injury. You see the entire team going over. And to me, this team, I, you're right. I think this team could be a team of destiny for 2023. Yeah, and you know we, we've talked about it. We, we've we've beat it like a dead horse. The schedule sets up very nicely, and we haven't seen the ACC, you know, that release the actual schedule yet. But I mean, we got Northern Alabama at home. We got uh, uh, Southern Miss at home. We got, like you said, Virginia Tech, Pitt. The schedule is setting up nicely, and you know, I, I really, really like this roster. I really like the defensive tackle depth. I really like Jordan Travis coming back for another year. I think he's probably a Heisman finalist if everything goes right. I'm very excited to see what happens this next year, and you know, I've, I've very high expectations. I mean, we had Max on not too long ago, and he basically said that he feels that Kyle Morlock and Jaheim Bell will be basically Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington from UGA. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Travis is going to go to New York for the Heisman, which honestly I think that's very plausible. And even if he doesn't, if he if he stays the same, honestly, if he just replicates or even does a little bit less than this past year, he definitely should be getting an invite over there. And then also, I mean, we're just going to go with 12 and 13, 14, 15, and the entire damn thing next year. But Hunter, let's go now to some personal questions before we get you out of here. I do got to ask you. What is your first, or maybe actually better, what is your favorite FSU memory as a fan? Oh, man. Uh, I'd have to say fourth and 14, honestly, just because. <laughs> such a troll. <laughs> I, dude, we felt dead in the water. I was in the, st- I, there was a bunch of Miami fans around me, and they were just letting us have it. And, you know, I, I wasn't feeling extremely confident at that point. And when that pass completed, I, I probably screamed every word in the book at those Miami fans, and they immediately left. So, that that one will will live in you know kind of in my in my history book forever. Another one is not football related, but when Trent Forrest dunked on Jordan Noara against Louisville, that was amazing. No, that dunk is sick. I was you know that was the best basketball game I've ever been to. I've never heard the tuck get louder. It was just unreal. It was you know best moment of you know other than fourth and fourteen. Best moment as a student. I was watching. I was watching the Miami game actually down here in South Florida. Trust me, I was right there with you. We're just surrounded by just a cabal of uh, Miami fans. And when that yeah. happened, I was just, I could not, I did not shut up. I think for an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I put a heavy dent to the high noons behind the bar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so now speaking of that rivalry games, I want to ask you first between Miami and Florida, which one do you take more, I guess, pleasure or satisfaction out of beating and two, 
who is your most hated school that's not, you know, one of the traditional rivals, whether it be Miami or Florida or Clemson? I'll remove Clemson too from that situation. I know Clemson, since you've been at school, has basically been very, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've they've kind of owned it since I've been here, which is sad to say. But, uh, you know, I heard I, it was Mike Martin Sr. said this uh, about a year ago. He was on another podcast. He said, Miami's personal, Florida's for the boosters. So I take great pride in in killing Miami and everything. I mean, that's like... I can't stand their fans. That's really what it comes down to, I think, is just, you know, they love to talk. The Florida fans will, you know, they're in my my opinion, they're a little soft. The Miami fans will let you have it. So I think that's kind of where the where that pride comes in and beating Miami. So I'd have to lean Miami. Other than that, I mean, Louisville, they, you know, they get pretty up, upsetting. They get pretty annoying, I think. Um, NC State is also can, can, can kind of get on the nerves. But, yeah, I would have to say, my, you know, I, I, Miami is number one. I love how you call Florida fans soft because I hate Florida, and that's a big, big reason why. They're soft and they think they're superior, but I'm not going to get too deep into that. And then, and so for me, I think NC State's a close one for that. I think that's basically the one-one score. I'm just like, why are you the way that you are? Like, yeah, also yeah. And then I think lastly, like I know you're with some of productions. Um, tell us exactly what it is that you do, and also what your I guess your goal and path that you want to take with that. You know, move forward because you know you're about to graduate. You're about to join. The rest of us in the real world, you're gonna have an office like this. Yeah, it might be more better decorated. But uh, yeah. So what's your goal with all that? Uh, I wish I could tell you what my goal was, but my current role is I'm technically considered a live broadcast technician. So I work for Seminole Productions, and what we do is we are responsible for broadcasting Florida State uh, sporting events, whether that's on ACC Network, the actual channel, or if it's the digital broadcast. Or even if it's just the in-venue entertainment, you know, if you're at a sporting event and you're watching everything on the Jumbotron, that's Seminole Productions putting that on. So we kind of work in that aspect. We work cameras. We work in the control room. Um, I kind of get to explore. I get to do pretty cool you know, amount of things. So, you know, anytime you're watching a Florida State event on, on ACC Network at home, it's most likely done by Seminole Productions. So that's been really cool, man. It's um, I don't know what I want to do with it long term, but they've given me a pretty sweet opportunity here. And uh you know, you get to be around Florida State Athletics all the time, which is, you know, any kid like mine's dream. I mean, no, no it's second. And lastly, before you get out of here, give me uh, just a quick record prediction, offensive MVP and defensive MVP, and then please let the folks know where they can find you and follow your work. So record prediction. I'm going to go 11 and 1. Or Sorry, that's regu- that's regular season. 12 and 1. Crazy. I know. I think we lose to LSU. I think they're coming for us. But yeah, I, I really like this team. And if injuries don't hurt us, you know, I'm going to be a hot take machine. I think we go 11 and one. Um, sorry. What was the other question you asked me? I asked you offensive MVP, defensive oh, yeah. MVP, and then also let, let the folks know where they can follow you on social media. I was supposed to put that down earlier below with yeah. Twitter and everything else. Let them vote. Let them know where they can follow you. Follow all your stuff. So offensive MVP, I'm going to go with my guy, Jordan Travis. It's low hanging fruit. I know. I, I understand that, you know, it's kind of just... than that, man. Come on. Yeah. Man. Everyone's yeah. Gonna ask my question. <laughs> yeah. Defensive MVP. I'll go a little different. I think Fentrell Cypress. I think we're going to get a, a, you know, a defensive back that is going to get some turnovers here and there. Unlike something we've seen the past few years, I think he's going to be a real game changer and uh, very excited to see what he has. Um, as far as my socials go, uh, Hunter steel three on Twitter. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, but you don't have to. It's um a little, a little personal, but yeah, my Twitter is kind of where I get my takes off. So if you if you'd like to throw me a follow there, by all means, uh, hit me there. You'll see him. I think I think I saw you do like an interview or a sit down. I think with Charlie Ward. I think a few months ago or something like that. If you want to see for some great content, because Hunter right there is like he's a shining star, a blossoming young uh, 
young gun out there actually for FSU for any all the media. Like Hunter, thank you so much for coming on. Please let Pat know I said what's up and uh, thank you so much for coming on, my guy. Thank you for having me, man. Uh, no worries, man. And this was Drake, and that was Hunter, and we'll see y'all next time on Locked On Seminoles. Take care, everybody.